Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers, a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 318, Hard to Believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, so grab a globe, spin it around, bang. Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And we're glad that you've joined us for this spirited discussion. Our podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So we're so glad that you decided to check us out. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchesAnswers.com. So please write our podcast and leave a review. And of course, it would not be possible without your support. So thanks so much. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. And at this time, I want to introduce our panel. He is a former world-class policy writer. He is a professional gambler, and he is the show producer. It's Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, yo, hey, Steve. Steve. He's a former prosecutor. He is an attorney. He's kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hello, guys. Hey, Mike. And he is a corporate trainer, a big deal in talent development, kind of the group theologian, a commercial-grade teacher. We call him the professor, Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Everybody. And my name is Bill Cox, and basically I am a salesman and a host. And this is, we are in Galatians, and I'm going to jump right in and call on our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, thanks, Bill. I'm glad to see you back. Um, two weeks ago, we, we began this section of Paul's letter to the Galatians, which Really, the whole thing is is having to do with is is circumcision and other requirements of the Mosaic law necessary uh, for new Christians, especially those who are not Jewish by birth. And Paul's of great concern of that because he is the apostle to the Gentiles. His his area of operation is southeast Turkey right now near Tarsus, Cilicia. Uh, the uh, church has moved to Antioch, and that's the center of activity. And certainly there's, a, there's actually a mixture of Jews and Jewish Christians, you might say, and, and Gentile Christians. And the, the problem that reared its head was that, uh, I, I wouldn't say all the Jewish Christians, but a, a, a particular group within uh, the Jewish community who had turned Christian uh, that we kind of call them the Judaizers, insisted that uh, all aspects of the Torah law uh, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, has to be followed. The bigger one, of course, was circumcision, but there are also dietary laws and laws of purity. Paul's, Paul's understanding of the gospel, I won't even call it his understanding, Paul, Paul's knowledge of the gospel is that that is not the case. And so this bubbles up, and he goes down to Jerusalem, 
and meets with Peter and James and the so-called pillars of the Jerusalem church, the apostles, and they do come to an agreement that, no, the, the Mosaic law is not necessary. Well, that doesn't stick. And uh, Paul and Peter now comes to Antioch. He comes onto Paul's turf, essentially. And, well, that's where, that's where we'll pick up. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Uh, folks, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> and my church has a choir. And very often an orchestra. We also employ a pianist, an organist, a drummer, a guitar player. Uh, when I was in middle school, I played an all-city orchestra and band in the city of Houston. And I learned to love all those particular instruments. And I love to expect those to be in a worship church, a service in a church, although that may not be realistically realistic in most churches. Now, during our worship time, our, our choir director leads us in songs of traditional hymns, modified hymns. We also sing modern praise, modern worship songs. We have special music celebrations at, at Christmas and Easter. I have been to other churches, and some of the other churches do not have a choir and orchestra. Some of the other churches worship the Lord with loud, rock-style bands and music. And I think our youth department has that too, right, Robert? Yes, we do. <laughs> we did last weekend with a light show and everything. It was pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, some of the churches use bright lights and darkness as if you're attending a rock concert for their worship for the congregation. Well, when I was quite a bit younger, I found this very annoying, and I found it difficult to worship in this type of atmosphere. In fact, I was very critical of this type of worship. Well, today we look at Paul, and he confronts Peter about his decision with whom to worship and to socialize with, and to socialize and worship only with his fellow kosher Jewish believers. You know what? I could have been a Peter in a way. <laughs> Bill? Excellent. Uh, professor? Yeah, th this gets into, in my head, one of the more interesting discussions of Scripture. And we've, we've done a couple of things with this. We did a, a uh, faith and works debate with Paul and James that I actually exported and started using every year with our youth group, which is really lots of fun. But it really comes down to do we follow the law or not? And this is where it was really the first, I'm going to say, discussion in the early church. This is, this is really, it really became a fine point to the point that, and I think it was a little bit after this, they actually called everybody to Jerusalem and said, everybody sit down, we got to talk about this. And there's some really good man lessons that we're going to hit in here as we look at that. And that's one thing I'm kind of looking forward to. Bill? Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. This is Galatians 2, 11 through 21. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, 
fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that, they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have often been found sinners in Christ, then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. The uh, first sentence, guys, absolutely love. Uh, i tell you why. To me, it's funny because Paul says to Cephas when he arrives, and, and I guess at the meeting where he confronts him, he says, I've already prosecuted him. I've convicted him, and I'm pronouncing judgment on him right now, and I'm giving his verdict to his face. There is no wiggle room. Well, and, and, and he, he does it to his face means he didn't talk about him behind his back. Yeah. He went and did it. And he got, he got into his face and did it. And, and he did so in the right way. You know, and, and evidently Peter and Paul had a um, fiery relationship, we'll say. And, and Peter, quite honestly, is from what we've seen of Peter in earlier scriptures, Peter's just being Peter. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of, he doesn't go along to get along, but he will kind of play both sides a little bit with the Jews and the Gentiles. Yeah. You, you would think by this time he would have matured a bit, but, but that's, yeah, that's a point of discussion that uh, I, I, it's, it's, I'm not sure how this happens other than, other than Paul says he did this publicly. Uh, you know, you can, you can look at the dramatic thing and he stormed into some, Dinner, Cephas, Peter, and and let, I'm going to be clear for the group. Cephas is Peter, the apostle oh, Peter. One hundred percent. It is it, Cephas is in is in this letter because that's the Aramaic translation of Peter, which in in Greek is rock, essentially Petros, and so Cephas in Aramaic is rock. So this is not some other apostle. This is Peter. So let's let's as add a footnote. So so I, I I don't know if we should imagine 
Paul busting in on one of these dinners he's having with the Judaizers and publicly excoriating them. They were all there together, and then all of a sudden Paul throws it out. <laughs> hey, Peter, by the way. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to... I'm going to Look at it. I'm going. Paul. Paul won the day, so we tend to look with uh, derision and shake our fingers. Oh, look at the Judaizers; they were all wrong. But let's stop for a minute. I, I'm going to bring up a few things that I've been reading, uh, including N.T. Wright, who does um, who does have you know credentials in ancient history, along with his biblical and theological credentials. Also, Scott McKnight, who's 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 done a very good commentary on this. Um, the Judaizers were largely a, a group of Jews from from Jerusalem, and, and and this was their point of view. Their their group, their religion, had been granted a special dispensation from Rome. They were the only religion, the only people, who were not required to worship the emperor. Uh, they could pray for the emperor. They could pray to their god. For the emperor, that was the compromise. But they did not have to; they did not have to put the emperor in the in the temple, a statue of the emperor. They did not have to pray to the emperor. They had this exemption, and it was only for them. And along with that, they had all these rules and laws about the Sabbath, about cleansing, that tended to keep them apart. And which the the Romans probably gave them another reason not to like, because they were all weird. And now suddenly, dotting up around the empire is this faction of so-called Jews who want the same dispensation. But, you know, we're not into the whole circumcision or we're not into the whole purity thing. And what, what in, in, in part, I think one of these Judaizers were, were afraid that one is that this would lead to a crackdown from the Romans, that they would... They would lose everything because suddenly everybody wants to be if a Jew, and, what, and the Romans the Romans saw this as another Jewish sect. They did not they did not see Christianity. I mean, Christianity really wasn't even a religion at that point. They saw it as a sect. Um, on the theological or religious or spiritual level, many of them thought you can't abandon the law. You can't start. You know worshiping this this guy this one son of god and and neglect the father that's what got us to babylon that's what got us antiochus that's what got us the romans they were they were terrified of another exile that this was this was approaching a they, they had real problems with it and and finally they this was their identity and this is this is something that might even play into more today they saw the fact what makes us jewish is that we do all these things. That we were born Jewish, we believe in this one God, and we do all these things. And that was, I think, the mindset they were coming from. Now, Paul had a completely different one, but I think I think to just to, to, to kind of characterize them as rule is, you know, as as Mrs. Grundy's rule enforcers makes them a bit two-dimensional. Excellent, uh, Professor. Yeah. It, interesting because what you're really looking mm -hmm. at is is a confrontation between inside a Jewish sect and, and I kind of agree with, with Steve that a lot of what you were looking at was I think the party of the Pharisees still influence 
and coming mm-hmm. in, and they're trying to always. The Pharisees by now are they religious leaders? Yeah, sure, but let's be real, they're political leaders, and their sole purpose is to preserve the Jewish state or the quasi-Jewish state under whoever mm-hmm. at that point and to keep being allowed to do whatever they're allowed to do, however they're allowed to do it, without Pilate or whoever coming in and laying waste to the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And so they're going to do anything and everything they can to preserve that. And so their influence is still here, I think. I think I think that's really what we're coming from, too. And, you know, one of the things, we'll, we'll deal with that, but one thing I wanted to bring up, and I found this, and I thought it was fantastic, and this is man moment time so how do you do confrontation well our old friend john maxwell actually put out 10 mm-hmm. quick rules and i thought you know what i'm gonna share these sure. so number one check your motives you know what are your motives where are they at paul definitely did that make sure the issue is worthy of criticism paul pointed out in there you know you're doing one thing and do and you're saying one thing and doing a different thing so that means you could be blamed for things be specific but that was really good. Don't undermine the person's self-confidence or identity. Don't compare people. Be creative or don't criticize. You know, offer good creative solutions. Don't attack the person. Do not postpone needed criticism. I I, I kind of like the idea of Paul busting in right away, even though I think he may have been there. He, he didn't wait for months for Peter to be there. He did it right away. It's like, hey, sit down. We got to talk. You know? Look at yourself looking at others. And I always I, I always say that is check yourself first. You know, why are you doing this? And then end criticism with encouragement. And I think Paul follows all of those because he goes through this confrontation with Peter and runs through that. And I think that is something as men we can all learn when we have to confront. Because let's be real, every man in every business and everything you do is going to have to do confrontation and how you do it and how you do it right is really where the big question comes in. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is No Church Answers, podcast number 318. We're talking about the blow-up in Antioch, this is uh, taken from the text in Galatians. I don't want to be too hard on the on the Jews myself on this thing um, because people long for routines, and once you you change your direction um, and and think of yourself as going on a trip, you may change your actual destination. But the way you get there is the same. You're either, you, maybe, maybe you're a person who likes to fly. Maybe you're a person who likes to drive a car. 
Maybe you're like uh, Koshu and you like to camp on the way. You know, everybody has a different way. And so me, when, when I read this, I mean, I get it that from a leadership uh, position, which Paul is in, he's setting the standards. And I, I really appreciate uh, Professor Koshu bringing up the Maxwell, um, the tips on how you need to confront. But I, I always seem to look at the, the things at the bottom and understand this. The people have made a major change in their life, but their routines on how they, how they worship it is probably going to be fairly similar to the way they worshiped before. It's just that their destination is different. So that's kind of what I, um, what I got about this. Um, routines are going to be different um, for each individual, just like what uh, the judge brought up, the different types, all different types of worship that there are in the various uh, Christian churches. Bill, the, uh, the thought that goes through my mind is, is you've got hundreds of years, I think both of you said this, especially Robert, you touched on it. The Jews have been following a platform or standard from the law of Moses for hundreds of years. You can't just give it up overnight when Peter comes into the church and says, oh, the Lord bless the Gentiles the same as us. Therefore, we don't have to follow the laws either. This is what he, they seem to be saying. Mm -hmm. And Paul yeah, yeah. comes in, right? Oh, yeah. And so Paul comes in here and says that same thing. He says, God has blessed the Gentiles. They have inherited or 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 receive salvation and pouring out the Holy Spirit. And here are the Jews from the day of Pentecost forward. They are completely anointed with the Holy Spirit, but they're still following a lot of the kosher rules. So here the Judaizers come in and say, I, I, in other words, I can see a basis for them saying this. Mm -hmm. They're coming in and saying, you can't get by with just accepting Christ as Savior and trusting him and not having to follow our rules because we've been doing it for hundreds of years. And it's tradition, it's custom, it's we don't want to change. Uh, so mm -hmm. my point here is they can't wrap their minds around this new change that Paul is saying has happened. Even Paul, Peter said it's happened. And, and that's where it resonates yeah. through the because Because uh, you were, you were you, I, I've had, you, know, you talked about music. Um, I've heard <laughs> in my years, well, the only music that has a place in church is classical music because that is divine. To which I said, classical music, you mean like music written in the 19th century? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You mean like Parsifal, Wagner's opera that is openly blasphemous, <laughs> where, where the redeemer gets redeemed? <laughs> Or, or do we do we delve in or or symphony fantastique, <laughs> which is a drug-addled, <laughs> drug-addled witches' sabbath? I mean that, uh, you know, that people say this and they don't know what they're saying. Right. Um, and and so so I digress there, but that's, but but what's going on here? And this is this is really what's 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 key is that. Uh, the the this whole Jesus plus or Christ plus idea, well, what Paul's point is, 
you can't follow the law. You can't, you can't, you can't hold on to the idea that the law will save you and then hold on to, well, Christ will save me. It's one or the other. That's why he says, if, if you believe the law, is go- you believe you're going to be made whole through the law, well, then Christ died for nothing. This is, this, is he, this is to him what's at stake. And I think what's at stake is that it's a theological question more than, a, uh, more than, than sometimes when it comes down to types of music. That, but this idea that, yeah, I have to, you have to do all this. Um, now, I, I threw this question out because we talk about works and and the law and and we use sometimes some Christians used Galatians that say okay I'm I'm justified and I and 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 that's the other thing that comes in in the later part I'm justified I'm made whole I'm clean just by my statement Lord believe in Jesus and well although I don't have to worry about works because Paul says works so question one is does the law equal works? Um, I mean, there's a difference between, I think there's a difference between the ne- not the necessity of being circumcised or the necessity of, of, of eating food prepared the right way or types of food and works. And, what, and, and though, though salvation does not come from either one, but do we, do we, use, these, do we use these as a, as a way to try to get off the hook? And I'm going to go right at Robert here. And just ask a question that's uh-huh. only becoming circulating lately. Uh-huh, okay. And because you came from more of an Anglican liturgical background. Uh, okay. Did okay. Martin Luther go too far when he really said it's it's really all about faith? Is that it, did he go too far, or is that on the other side? Are are Christians taking that? Are Protestant Christians taking that too far? I think <laughs> in in the way I always view it is. Are we saved by grace? Absolutely. It's it's one hundred percent faith on salvation. I think if you truly have the faith, and this is where we land on our debating, <laughs> is that the works show up. You know, and if they don't show up, then I question whether you have whether you have faith. Because here here's the dirty little secret. There are lots of good charities and things that do good works in the world and do good things for the... No, the Cajun Navy. That's the guys that roll down Mm -hmm. the little swamp boats and fish boats and go rescue people in flooding. They do good work. Now, are they all Christian? Probably not. Is a section of them Christian? Probably. But they're definitely not Christian-based. But yet they do good work. How about um, here in Houston, the uh, food bank? Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Oh, my Houston gosh. Food Houston, 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 Houston Food Bank. Thank you. Houston Food Bank. Yeah, those guys. Houston. I've only been there twice, <laughs> two or three times now, doing service projects with different places. 100% secular. But they're doing good work. You know, you have to have the faith, but the faith should drive you to want to do the good works. And I think that's where the rub really comes in, especially with Martin Luther, because I, I I think I don't think he went too far. Martin Luther was really going against at the Catholic Church. It did really come down to, oh, you've had your uh, you've had your affair with your mistress. You need to go pay five thousand dollars to the Cardinals Fund, say fifty Hail Marys, 
and yeah, your sin's forgiven. You know, whereas as a as a man of faith, I might tell you, you did what? You know, go go reconcile with your wife, and then you need to get right with God, and then we need to have some discussions. And and this is something. How about this? I'll go here because this has been a this is a big conversation of faith. So let's go with International House of Prayer in uh, Kansas City area. Recently ran off their pastor. He's now back because well he had an affair. I think it's, I think that's the right place. One of one of these places. And the pastor had an affair. Well he's been redeemed so he can come back in leadership of the church. And my answer to that is no. Can he be forgiven? Absolutely he can. Can he do good works? Yes. Can he come back three months later because, well, I prayed to God and God forgave me and my wife forgave me and I'm going to be a pastor again in the same church? No, absolutely not. Five years maybe, ten years? I, I don't know. There, there's some standard. Why not? Why that, not? Tell us why not. Yeah, and it comes down to Paul, Paul's statement where he says, all things are permissible to me, but not all things are good for me. And then be wary of the example you're setting right. for other people. So how right. does so I'm gonna just throw that out there. How does the right. world view how the Baptist handled the ministers who were sexually abusive and they kind of swept them under the rug and let them still get a how does that viewed by the world? Yeah, Not very well. what, what you just yeah. said real quick. We have damaged yeah. our reputation. I want you to finish answering that question. Yeah. You see, this pastor Right. He commits adultery. Right. He goes away for three months and yep. comes back and says, I've been redeemed. God has forgiven me. You have to, too. But what does that teach the young people? Yeah. That's what yes. you're getting at. Yeah. Right, yeah. Robert? Because uh, uh, pastor is, go, uh, go do whatever is one you of want. our teaches young people. So, folks, you out. can't come back and do that because he has set the standard that young people Mm-hmm. We'll look at or, or, and say, or, oh, or new believers I can go right? have an affair I'll, or commit adultery with somebody's I'll, wife, and I can be forgiven, and I will be restored to the same position mm-hmm. I was. Right, right, right. Yes. this is what uh, you're saying. Sin, and, and, sin, and, sin has consequences. Yes, we we like to not say it does because you know we've all been forgiven by grace. There are consequences to these things. There there are consequences to everything we do, good, bad, otherwise how we live our lives, how we react to people, what we eat. You know, I, I like to eat pecan pie. My wife has made me a pecan pie this week. There are consequences Robert to that pecan pie. A <laughs> couple, of, couple of pounds, or I'm going to have to spend some extra time at the gym. Go take your pick. Which yeah. one? You know, but, it, but everything we do has that. And when we get caught in this, oh, I'm redeemed by faith. I can do whatever. We're ignoring those consequences. It's 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 cheap. It's as cheap. It's cheap I, I do have another question though. Bon, because Bonhoeffer we, had a lot yes. to say about. Cheap I, I have another question here. It's uh, a little different, but it has to do kind of where this here, is here, coming. Here from. we go. No, no, it's my <laughs> other. It's my um, now. Paul Paul was adamant about the law isn't going to save you. The law. You do not make an idol out of it. Do not do not believe that you need to do this for your salvation. Um, and I know that didn't. It, it was kind of abrupt to people who've been doing that by tradition, now, uh, you know, hundreds of years. But um, he didn't. He didn't say to stop doing. He didn't say you must stop now. Don't do that anymore. He said if, if he, he, he circumcised Timothy to make him fit in. Is that 
he, and maybe this is why God chose him for it, he was brought up in Tarsus. He was brought up away from the center of, of the Pharisee. I mean, Pharisees. He had his foot in two worlds, as they say. He had his foot in Jerusalem as a, as a young man in, 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 in what's equivalent to university, but he grew up outside that and in Tarsus. And that's where his his operation was, and that's why he was such an effective uh, evangelizer to the Gentiles. That's why they they appointed him evangelizer to the Gentiles, because and and he would go. He would say, I mean, let's say I was I am Jew to a Jew, Greek to a Greek, Galatian to Galatian, mm-hmm. Ephesian to Ephesian, and and he connected in each culture. Now we we're we're let's fast forward twenty centuries. Um, and where where there's there's talks of you know the multicultural different different beliefs different denominations, and so introducing culture especially and and I'm going to put it right here in our church because our church Absolutely. is making an effort at that Absolutely. because um, not only Houston but Fort Bend, Fort Bend County is like it's like perfectly. <laughs> It, it hits every quadrant equally. If you look at the at the population statistics, it literally is, um, give or take a few percentage points, 25% white, 25% Hispanic, 25% black, 25% Asian. Yeah. And so you, you go down in Fort Bend County, um, you go down to the HEB or the Kroger, you're, you're going to be, if, if the statistically holds, You'll be the one, and you'll be the one white person among three other among every three other people, and likewise, our church. I mean, you can't, and, and, and you can't force it, um, but our church is trying to be as open as possible to to Christians, but Christians from all cultures. Um, what do you say? And I like that idea. But what do you say to the congregationalists who said? <laughs> basically basically said i shouldn't say this i'm speaking out of school but someone like my mother-in-law gee there are so many asians around here <laughs> well, <laughs> well let's, let's go go okay so how do you how do you answer how do you answer that when you hear that in your in your congregation so uh, i'm <laughs> gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna do that. take something Go go stumble upon our past two podcasts on the cho- where we review season of the chosen. If you haven't, and Jesus's answer at the end of season one, get used to different. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. First off, folks, uh, what what I present to you, whatever I opened up, and I talked about the, the different churches around us. Uh, God will handle this. God will take care of this. That's why we have Methodists. We have Catholics. That's why we have Episcopalians. That's why we have Baptists. That's why we have Southern Baptists, which we are not. The guys have been very careful to tell you this, folks. Um, and, and that's why they're Pentecostals. Uh, that's why there are non-denominational churches now that are growing that call themselves Bible churches. Uh, God uses all of these where a leader or leadership in that particular body of believers seeks the Lord's guidance and he gives them guidance. Now, now, Steve asked me a question. What do you do if somebody comes up, I'm guessing, yes. and, and makes a very controversial mm-hmm. statement regarding our body of believers mm-hmm. or something about the, uh, the mm-hmm. church? Well, for, first off, I ask the Lord for an answer. Mm-hmm. I say, Lord, give me, a, give me wisdom to talk with them. And then I explain to them. Uh, one, one, I, I'm going to tell you, folks, 
uh, let me throw this something out. One day I built, I cracked Bill up. I came into the class and, and we were sitting in church and there was this little child mm-hmm. kicking the seat and yelling <laughs> in about four rows mm-hmm. behind me, five rows behind me. I'd seen him before, mm-hmm. the week before, but he's mm-hmm. 50 foot away, so it didn't bother me. Another Sunday, and nobody confronted him, nobody talked to him. Another person, uh, another week, he was on the other side, 50 foot away, didn't bother me. This time, he's three rows behind me, and he's kicking, he's yelling, and I'm looking at his parents, and I'm thinking they are not of our faith, nor are they of Christian faith because of their garb that they're wearing. So I turn around to the kid and go, shh, be quiet. (laughs) Because he is disturbing the people. I can see the people looking around. They're not focusing on the word of God, or mm-hmm. nor, the, nor the, are they able to, to worship. And like I said, folks, this has happened three times, maybe even four times. And his dad uh, confronted me and says, do you not, do you not, uh, uh, do you not respect children? I says, no, it's the parents mm-hmm. that are not disciplining children. <laughs> Something like that. And then, uh, uh, and, and, and I, and, and I said, we do have, I was very nice first. First thing I answered was, we have a children's church. I'll be glad to walk into the children's church if you don't mind, or with you as well. Mm-hmm. And he started getting very angry and said, you don't have a sign saying children aren't allowed in church. I said, unruly children are not allowed mm-hmm. in church. Children are allowed in church. And we went on for about 10 minutes and finally told him, I looked at him and said, told him, you're wrong. Ooh. Period, and I left it that and turned around mm-hmm. and sat down, uh, and and so now, folks, that was that was pretty easy to decide. That particular mm-hmm. answer pretty easy to decide. But if if someone comes into our church, and I had another confrontation with this back when I was assembly of God, I had a, a an individual come into the back of our church. This is uh, very interesting too. And at the end of church service, he came in, and and a, a certain group called United Pentecostal believe that you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus, not the Father, Son, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And if you're God, not baptized in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus, you're not saved. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you okay. all have heard that. But what I'm getting at, the, the Lord will often give you answers mm-hmm. to help you in the situation. Mm-hmm. This guy came to the back of the church. I was a new Christian. And he says, have, were you baptized? And he comes in at the end mm-hmm. of the service and, and he wants to fight. Now, me of all people, I just happened to be yeah, the one yeah, that walked yeah, out yeah, to yeah. lobby at the first, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Walked to lobby at first, and uh, um, and he looks at me and says, do you believe in being baptized in the name of Jesus? I says, I be, believe in being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, well, then you aren't saved. And you want to go outside and get into this? <laughs> you I'm serious, <laughs> guys. This is an now he came into he came, this, came, came into, into the, the Baptist church. church. Yeah. Why is he? You know? No, 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 no. Came into the Assembly of God Church where oh, I was. Oh, okay, at but the still was he came into yeah, was yeah, he came another into the, church. The he came. Yeah, came well, what the heck, and folks? I looked at him and said real quick. I says, you know what? The apostle said, "Be baptized in the name of Jesus," but Jesus Himself said, "Baptize, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit." And I said, I tend to believe Jesus 
the statements are more correct <laughs> than his apostles uh-huh. because the apostles are excitable on anything. But anyway, so coming back, I never answered Steve's question. How do you deal with a person that comes in that's I, controversial? Can I add something to oh, the question? Yes, because while you're talking, please. You, you, not only that who, who says that, but I'm thinking of joining another congregation where there's more people like me. How do you encourage them? Do you encourage them to stay? Or, I mean, I'm saying, so, no, no, so that's right. right. That's that. They're, 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 they're made a comment about the changing character of the congregation and has basically said, I want to go where there's there are more that where the church where it goes where people like well I'm happy yeah well no 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 nope. I mean they don't even say what well, maybe that's implied so, but that's the way they put it <laughs> pa- yeah, Pastor Phil had a had yeah. a good answer oh, he, to this mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the right church for you <laughs> well that's it and, and that that is it. and that is literally what Phil would tell somebody or, or well I, I I asked you back so so no, I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll no, throw no, my, great. my my answer back or what I, but I think it's a good answer. No, uh, I would talk to him and say, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. What is it exactly you're looking for? And see if I can help mm-hmm. direct them to the, the place mm-hmm. where they can find the answer they're looking for. And if, and, if, and if it comes to fact they don't believe in a doctrine, uh, I would direct them to our new, mm-hmm. new members class, which, mm-hmm. which uh, gives a doctrine. And I would say, mm-hmm. try first, listen to what our church is about. Mm-hmm. And if you still believe this is not the right place for you to be, uh, then maybe I can help you find another church or direct mm-hmm. you another church. But I'm not sure I'm answering. I would your, no. Your, your, I would your, say you see, and then I, I'd, I'd contest. And now and I was now we're going, uh, we're going on some years. I would go more with, um, uh, with Pastor Taylor's viewpoint. <laughs> How do you think it's going to look in heaven? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of surprise pieces. That's, that's going to be the best thing. Um, and and really that's kind of it. You know, it's, it's, it's I'd say, I'd say, um, I mean, I, I'm like the Judaizers, I suppose. I can, I can sympathize with, you know, as they get older, people who are maybe 80 and above, who really grew up in an America that was white majority and I have a certain level of security. We will use them. We'll use the, the term they're people of their times, but I don't excuse that in any more in people, certainly my age. Oh, and for sure. Mine. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm, and, and you're, the, you're about, the, the, you're the, now you're about, I've now I've learned since happy birthday. You're about, you. about six years younger than me. Yeah. And 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 certainly you go you you see where your kids are and yeah it's different and this is like you said get used to different yeah. this is how it's going to be going uh, forward uh, I'll, and I'll you're going you. you're not and I think you're closing yourself off from a, a lot of interesting people and you're being I'm going to say it you're being prejudicial you've decided I'm never going to get along with these people they don't, they're not, they're too much unlike you. They're, they are Christians, just like you. You're first and foremost Christians. And yeah, <laughs> goes back to kind of, what do you expect? What, what do you think heaven's going to be like? So I would say you can go find your church, but it's going to be a small church and it's going to be dwindling. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. 
but our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back to No Church Answers. We're talking about uh, Paul and the letter to the Galatians. Uh, professor. I, I was going to say, Bill, that, that's a good... The, the other thing is, is, is you're talking about um, racial prejudice. What I've seen a lot more in a lot of churches is a socioeconomic stratification. And that is worse almost. Than a, don't, don't get me wrong, there's a lot wrong with the racial ones, but there's as much on the socioeconomic status that you start looking at favoritism and other things <coughs> within churches that become a problem too. But as Bill said, part of it is it's we're all we are all as members of, of the faith. We're in this together. And and I think that's something the American Christian church in particular lost in that 50s to 80s time frame. And I think that's something we're going to have to regain as a, as a people of faith, that we're all in this together. And it's really going to come down to how are we living by faith, but more importantly, how are people outside the faith <coughs> looking at us and what are they seeing us doing and mm. being a part of. And I think that is literally where when we start talking about these pastors who are, you know, flipping three months or a Mark Driscoll type person. Yes, Mark, I called you out again. I'm, I'm going to send him a link to our <laughs> podcast just because I love pinging him and his abusive nature, you know, and, that tie, and, and they're like, well, I'm doing the word of God. No, you're not. <laughs> you're doing more harm to the cause of faith than you ever do. If you would just sit down and shut up at this point. Because people outside the world are looking at us. And just like they were looking at Paul and yeah. Peter. And, and you notice Paul says, you're telling people this. Then you're going and doing that. How do you think these people are going to view you? Yeah. And that is literally what we're talking about here because when we don't, when we try the whole faith only thing and I'm fine because I'm saved and whatever, dude, you're not. People are looking at you and they're looking at you as an example. It's the old quote that a lot of people use. You're the only Bible a lot of people ever read. And, and, in, and it, to, to, this is not the society of 30, 40 years ago where if you lived in certain towns in the South, if you missed church that Sunday, you got up, you put on your church clothes before you went to lunch because mm -hmm. you, wanted, you wanted everybody to think you went to church. 
Now it's more likely everyone is missing church and you're the weird oddball in the neighborhood. If you, When I leave my house on Sunday morning, I probably see maybe five or six other cars in my little segment of 100 homes or so leaving to go to church. I'll tell you, you know what that, that comes up because... We, I, first of all, I think it helps the church immensely if we're seen as multicultural. The more, oh, absolutely, the more, the more people. And 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 to 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 your to to your point, a couple of weeks ago there was some controversy because one maybe one of the networks posted uh, when C.J. Stroud, um, quarterback for the for the Texans, did win a playoff game. After that playoff game. On, on the air, I remember seeing it. On the air, he said, first thing he said when he was interviewed after the game was, praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, athletes do. That was not that surprising. What was surprising when, they, when, when, when the network recycled that quote on Twitter, on social media, they clipped that, that testimonial, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the Christian church got all their, their panties in a wad, but all for the wrong reason. I will. They did not. Whoever made that decision, I bet, was not anti. Was not anti-religion. I'm willing to bet he want, He thought he was making Stroud look cool. Oh, he's a here's a young athlete. He's a young black athlete. Really cool. We don't want him saying that. It's going to take his the edge off. And I, I bet you that was the reason behind that. Yep. And and uh, because the media wants to see. The American Christian Church as largely white and largely old, and and anything they can do to sustain that narrative, they will. So we, as a church, being countercultural, need to do our best to counteract that. Need to to, to push back, and 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 show that we can we. Let's forget about diversity. I hate that word, DEI. It's a corporate fad. Um, but we <laughs> welcome anyone around our table. Let's take it back to the table, which, which, um, which is in our reading today. We should be very wary of trying to retreat to our old table with our old buddies and people who think like us. That's what Peter did. He he was he. The spirit was there. <laughs> The, the spirit was willing. He wanted to. He he wanted to spread the word, but a little bit of pressure, and he retreated a bit. And and Paul called him out on that. So that's what we've got to remember to to not to to not to, to resist the temptation to go back to our old buddies, even if they are Christians, and to go to other Christian tables and to merge your tables. Excellent. And with that, as we come down to the end of the podcast, we're going to go ahead and just uh, get some takeaways from the fellows on uh, basically uh, enlarging your tent. Go ahead and uh, we'll start with Michael Cropper. Why did Paul confront Peter when Peter stopped associating with the Gentiles when his fellow buddies, which Steve just said, uh, he stopped associating with uh, the Gentiles, stopped eating with them, stopped uh, hanging out with them while he was trying to impress his Jewish buddies from the Jerusalem church. Uh, my personal belief, and, and, and I mentioned this before, I think it's jealousy. I think the Jews uh, 
the Jews had lived their lives trying to follow a strict set of standards, dietary standards, relationships, everything. And uh, uh, Jesus came along and preached that they no longer had to offer the temple sacrifices. At least this is the way they viewed it. Although Steve put things in order and Robert put things in order, the fact was Jesus came along and said that the Gentiles could be saved by grace through faith. They didn't need to carry out the Mosaic law. Peter was, in fact, the one in, in Acts 15. Uh, he explains that when he went to the Gentiles, when God called him to go to the Gentiles, which was Cornelius and his family, yes. an angel appeared yes. to Cornelius, right? And Peter went to see Cornelius because God told Peter to go with the Gentiles and not complain about whether or not they were, whether they were, um, um, gosh, what is it? Whether they were, they were eating, they, they yeah, said yeah. everything, nothing. He said, oh, clean or unclean. Clean or Those unclean. are the two words he used, right? So the spirit, when, when Peter went to see Cornelius, he began to preach about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit fell on them just like they did on the Jewish people, just like the days of Pentecost. We come down to where Paul is a missionary to Antioch, and he's witnessing the people and preaching to people who have not known the faith of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit falls on him. Paul does miracles, and I think Barnabas is with him, and Titus, and they do miracles. And so <coughs> when the Judaizers hear about this, they think, Oh well, they've got. There's got to be more of this. This is our own uh, people. They've got to become Jews as well. So the the key reason I think they wanted the Gentiles to convert was jealousy because it was too too easy for them to just <laughs> trust in Jesus and become Christians like them. So why Paul was right when he confronted Peter, who you could eat with and where you could eat. Mike, it's no wonder that God was fed up with the mindless devotion to the rules. The Jews were supposed to be missionaries to the rest of the world, but their own rules prevented them from associating with people <laughs> who may have converted to Judaism. Excellent uh, takeaway from you, Professor. We're really called to be the light to the world and salt of the earth. And it's hard for us to do that when we get so busy fighting about ourselves over what rules we have to follow or not follow. And part of the trap you get into when you get into this with Galatians, and I think Paul recognizes this more than anything else, is that we are literally fighting among ourselves as we argue this, and we're losing the capability to really witness to the world. And I think that is the calling we have. Excellent. Uh, Steve Ditch? Well, in some ways, people like structure. And really, Christianity is the one religion that really doesn't have any hard and fast rules written down. It's basically uh, walk... Um, <laughs> Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. What does that really mean? The spirit driving you, and, and this is where the what the letter goes on to go into. Um, well, if it's not the law, then what? And 
it's not come you know we're not throwing it all away uh there's something that replaces it that comes with grace and truth and and so but it's hard it's hard because now now you're being called on to to use to essentially walk with Jesus and understand the Lord's desires more than just a list of laws and rules on the on a piece of paper and and I guess you know it's, it's as I'm saying the kind of the the default is to fall back to that you know we can have barbecued pork but not on Friday uh, <laughs> um, so uh, it's it but no it's and and so what is it and and we'll continue to look at that I think as we go along uh, in the letter excellent and with that I just want to go ahead and add uh, you know by grace we've been given a destination but seek your own way to journey thanks so much for tuning in to note your cancers and once again uh, Thanks to all our sponsors and supporters, uh, oh my gosh, over the years. And so on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshy, my name is Bill Cox, and our podcast is available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so please rate it and leave a review. If you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or notechurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, well, shame on you. Uh, but check out our Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, SugarlandBaptist.org. Starts at Sundays at 9:45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group ABF, which is Adult Bible Fellowship or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one and take note to your answers. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 